Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help. Hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're suffering, please call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. And this is an episode recorded from a very noisy place, so apologies in advance. Um, But this is all about roles and how they encode us with meaning and really just an opportunity to examine the role or roles that we play in our lives. And so this episode's kind of meta. So what do I mean by roles? I mean it's going to look at implied and nonverbal communication and how that operates in our lives and how that creates a lot of the meaning and manifestations in your person via your relationships. Because so much of uh, communication is nonverbal and or implied with tone, physical cues, contextual meaning, subtext, implied meaning. So we are very much you know, we're like amoebas, things are flowing in and out of us, we're reading our quote, place in a particular situation at the same time as we are dictating our place by how we set boundaries and tolerate or react to others. So there's this perception of yourself. And there's the perception of others, and also your perception of how You read others in response to yourself. So many interactions, so many complex layers to our relationships. And all of that together, uh, you know, depending on who has power in that situation, that kind of is its own separate funnel of information. You know, everyone else's role is very heavily affected by whoever has the most power in any given situation. So... All that is to say, lots of layers, and um, this episode's not necessarily going to go in depth on dissecting how situations occur. It's more a reflection opportunity for you to examine any particular roles you have taken on in any given situations or relationships, and just consider whether or not you want to change them or shift them, because we control a ton simply by how we choose to dance in a a set of given rhythms like I think of every relationship as kind of like a Texas two-step and that like it's very reliant on both partners agreeing to do a specific set set of steps so if we change our steps it alters how the other person dances too like you can think of this as an opportunity to consciously change a step that isn't making you happy or isn't allowing you to be the person you want to be And this can allow you to live more happily in the future and practice the actions of a person you like being. So if this at all sounds 
relevant to you, let's just start this by calling to mind any any friction that's coming to mind for you, like any problematic relationships, any situations where you're like, I don't like how I, I end up feeling when I'm in this particular dynamic. And just think about that for a second. Like how are others casting you in a role maybe that you don't want to play? Or if there's something that's long-term that like, I don't like how I always end up in this particular situation where I feel blank, whatever it is, just, just bring it to your conscious mind. And with that, there are three parts to this episode, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. Part one, the what. Roles. What do I mean by that? Unspoken hierarchies, relational patterns, ingrained and felt archetypes that our family or our friends or our coworkers reinforce and we reinforce in just how we interact with them. Examples of what I mean are things like you might be the peacemaker, you might be the sycophant, you might be the truth speaker, like the black sheep or the bad kid as I call it. We don't realize how powerful these roles are and how they kind of keep us trapped in a particular set of behaviors. And therefore, if you don't like the role you have, you can change it. And I don't even mean like you can actually change your title or your responsibilities in life. I, I just mean in how you choose to respond and react to the others in your life. Because other people will often try and direct you to play a certain role. And you have the opportunity to recast yourself if that doesn't benefit you or sit right with you. For example, if you are the one who has the the role of voicing all of the most inconvenient information and kind of like calling out the truth of like the red flags and everyone kind of looks at you as like the downer or the contrarian, you can alter your energy and your part in this relational pattern and play someone else's role. And that pushes them to alter theirs. I know a lot of you have probably heard of the Stanford prison experiments. And if you haven't, it was a psychological experiment in 1971. They gave people different roles. People were given the role of prison guard. They were all students. They were given roles to, to play act. Some people were assigned the role of prisoner, and some were assigned the role of prison guard. And what this experiment did was, in six days, it made those people very much take on all of these insanely like just sadistic like really made them take on the role of whatever character they thought they were supposed to play and people acted outside of what they would typically how they would typically behave so a lot of people became very depressed they showed signs of extreme stress and this was all everyone was aware it was an experiment and yet very much created reality emotionally for these people so this is an invitation to examine how those dynamics might be playing out in your own life and how those things can make us become something that we're not necessarily meant to be. And if we can become conscious of these things in our life and these dynamics in our life, it gives us the opportunity to choose to be, no, I want to be the real me. I want to be my most joyful, positive self, and I don't want to do this dance anymore. So this role might be cast because of something from your family of origin. Maybe it's something that's happening at work with your direct team, like the people you interact with the most. 
Maybe it's in your family unit or a friend group. Whatever it is, it um, has a lot of power over how we view ourselves. And so I think just the step back and being able to view whatever constructs exist allow us the opportunity to say like, huh, maybe this isn't me after all. Maybe this is being created by this existing system. Um, I also just want you to call to mind or become aware of how people in positions of power, or maybe that's you, how positions of power have affected the roles in your life. And because when it comes to power, it reorders your brain because you have to respect this hierarchy for survival. So we very much internalize the messages we receive, even if we are very hyper aware of the power system and we reject the power system and its terms. Like even if you're like, I don't fucking care about this thing, it still has sway over you and it still affects your sense of self because we are operating within its hierarchy. Like you have to, in order to succeed within a power structure, you have to adopt the rules or the scale of measurement in order to thrive. So even if you're like, I don't care what this boss thinks, you do. Your body will uh, still be very affected by it because of the fact that you are at their mercy. That's just the way it is. Same goes for like growing up. Your parents still have incredible power over you. Even if you in your mind's eye are like, I don't believe in what you think. It still affects you. More on that later. So with all of that, I wanted to get to part two, the why. Every environment is its own little ecosystem. Every relationship is its own little ecosystem. And I just wanted to touch on the, um, a little bit of family systems theory, um, old school uh, therapy theory, just because it's super simple and it's very easy to understand how it operates in your own life. I love family system theory. Um, but basically, we all play a role in a family dynamic, in a family system, and, and that allows that family to stay balanced and maintain homeostasis. It allows us to continue to operate in, and sustain whatever system, you know. Everyone kind of plays a different part to keep that system balanced. And this, this is the same thing for friendships, for groups who live together, who, who work together. We get into a rhythm and we all keep balance in how we complement one another including in like you know how one person has to compensate for another person so we might help another person vent their feelings of anger for them if they're not capable of doing so some people just don't feel safe venting anger so one another person might take on the role of venting their anger for them that's just one example of how a system will continue to maintain balance Within these little ecosystems, we also create alliances. And these are, for the most part, unspoken, but they are kind of reinforced over time in how one person will serve a role for another person, and they will in turn serve a role back. And so we kind of, this is how we kind of create these like default triangles. And they, they become quite predictable. And with some alliances, I would say it's healthy and necessary, as with raising children, like, Parents have to have an alliance in order to create firm boundaries for a child. However, an alliance is less helpful and positive when it comes to 
something that's sustaining dysfunction, you know, like when one member of that alliance is being enabled to perpetuate harm, for example. But outside of dysfunction, we all have unspoken, unspoken rules and sensitivities and in how we are brought up. And this is often just communicated non-verbally. It's com communicated with like how much attention someone gets, what is favored, what is not favored. And so I brought up this triangle idea. This, there's such a thing as triangulation in which we, in nonverbal and metacommunication, will vent something through another person. So we triangulate them to help with the situation. Like couples do this a lot with kids. Um, the kid will become the person that vents something for the mom, for example. And so in that situation, that person has taken on a role or a job to, to be the protector of mom. This might happen in a different situation where maybe you're, uh, a, you're a brother to somebody and you're defending against the boyfriend or you're defending your mom against your dad, whatever it is. You'll find that these little systems naturally occur when one person has a weakness and then the other person will voice something for them. And culturally, we are all conditioned in very specific ways depending on kind of like the legacy of necessity in a culture. So this is all super complex. I know I'm going through so fast, but I think one really important example is the role of identified patient. Like when a person is exhibiting lots of symptoms in a family, like you're the one that is, has all the problems. You're the one that's acting out. You're the one that's voicing how fucked up the family is, whatever it is. That is oftentimes the person that has been given the role of venting all of the anger, anxiety, dysfunction for the entire family. And so that person is the one that is everyone can focus on them. But the, the issues exist in the family in its entirety. And you'll find that nothing unites people more than a common enemy. So the identified patient is the person who is bearing the brunt of being the sick person, the scapegoat, the crazy one. And the crazy one is often the truth speaker, the one who's saying, I don't buy into this bullshit. I don't buy into all of these fake roles. Another case in point, eating disorders are often considered family disorders because one member of the family has rejected the nourishment of the family dynamic. Children acting out is often a symptom of a role they've been cast in and they must fulfill. For example, if a parent is verbally abusing them and telling them that they're worth they're worthless piece of shit, then they will sooner act as the piece of shit as a way to keep the love of the parent. And that is how a child might maintain the ecosystem based on the unspoken rules of the family system. All of that is not to overwhelm you. It's just to invite you to ponder all of the roles that might have been reinforced in you and whether or not they suit you and also who perhaps dictated them to you. Because when we can really get meta and step outside of our roles, we look at the constructs, then we have the opportunity to hack them. And by that I mean we can spontaneously decide we want a new role and we can literally change our dance steps. And that means the other people can no longer continue their corresponding steps. We can change everything in our lives by changing ourselves. And there's nothing more powerful than knowing you are worthy and not swallowing shit anymore. You can be at the bottom rank 
of whatever system you're in and you can still command respect with how you respect yourself and what boundaries you are brave enough and confident enough to draw. So this also makes me want to point out that if a person in a position of power or authority wounds your confidence or degrades you, it can do immense and almost invisibly deep harm because in the moment you might reject it. You might say, you know, for example, in like a childhood moment, maybe you know at the moment in, in that moment, like my parent is being irrational, like they're crazy, they're dumb, they're stupid, whatever, whatever we say in that moment. However, it still dictates to you the rules and and also tells you in some shape or form in order to succeed and and get love, I have to know, I have to act as this thing is bad. So subconsciously, we will reject or push down whatever this thing is. Because to do otherwise would be to threaten your only source of survival, which is love from your parents. But the same goes for a boss. So if you have a person who you work for, or who controls your fate in some way, it does incredible damage to your psyche and your confidence to be told that you are not smart or you're not talented or you're bad at whatever you do or to be criticized. Why? Because they also control your fate and therefore you must adopt the terms of success based on their power, their rightness. And that is how we survive. We have to appease their likes or dislikes. So even if you might have thought like something has not affected you, I invite you to just ask, has that thing, has that experience changed my behavior for the worse in my life like have I shied away from this thing because of a specific experience I had just see what comes up with just that little excavation and with that here's part three the how the tools but first a brief word from our sponsors Okay, so first of all, I would say the most important step is just becoming conscious of the roles we are currently playing and also what the motives slash needs and alliances are in the, in the other people in whatever groups we are operating in. And I would also invite you to consider whether or not you want to possibly have someone else's role. Like, for example, would you prefer to be the peacemaker in your group? Is that a better role for you to have? And you don't have to take on someone else's role. The only reason I brought it up is because it's a lot easier <laughs> to be the, the voice of positivity. Um, regardless, I would invite you to take on my goal, which is to always be the same person in all spheres of my life. And that means just not getting uh, roped into other alliances that I don't want to be in. And that just starts with awareness, awareness of what the other pressures are, how other people are operating, how they're trying to shift a certain thing. Regardless, I want to offer you an experiment to try. The next time you interact with a system that is in your life, like let's say it's a work group or a friend group, simply try taking on the types of speaking comments that another person might enact and see how others recalibrate around you acting in this new way so for example like if you're the truth speaker and you might normally bring up something like well that's probably not possible because of blah 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 try instead being the 
the peacemaker that's positive and supportive, like, I love that idea. Let's, that's great. And just see how it changes the other people reacting to you and how they have to alter their own behavior. It can be super small, subtle, things like that. Another example, if you are a person who is normally super accommodating um, and you might, you know, be the person that's a yes man all the time in whatever situation, try instead speaking with authority and conviction and just speak your truth and allow the silence to sit and just see how people it changes how people respond to you. And I will say that people who do not feel the need to please others, who have a level of value that is self-contained, it's like having a superpower. It's like having a secret that no one else can decipher. So past those, here are some more tools for navigating the things that come up when we start to really define our role for ourselves and our lives. All right. The first tool is called Frozen Moments. And this is a journal assignment, and I think take some time with this. I want you to basically create a page or pages in your journal. Um, you could think of them as kind of frozen images, like scars in your memory. And I just want to invite you to describe in your journal moments in time when some damage was done or some rule was impressed on you that maybe took a part of you away, you know, like one experience where maybe a parent shamed you for doing xyz or one moment where at school it was made very explicit that you're like you're not supposed to be this way whatever it is and in this journal entry I just want you to describe it like it's a photo like I'm standing in this spot I'm doing this thing and this other person is telling me this thing that's bad and just just revisit it describe how it felt Describe the rules and what they meant to you, what was said and what was implied, and really just acknowledge the power of that moment. And I want you to also ask yourself, has this thing, did it alter my trajectory from that point forth? Like, how did this change the decisions I made? What things did this take away from me in my adult life? Like, would I have done these things differently? And then the very last part of this exercise is pick one deliberate path of action. Like what's one ultimate goal you are heading toward to help undo this damage? And I mean, it can be like, you know, I eventually really want to try acting again. I don't know. Like if you were an extrovert, let's say, and that was kind of taken away from you. It doesn't mean you have to do that tomorrow. It's just... Like, this is something I would like to reignite in myself that was lost at this time. Um, and you might have multiples, you know. Once you do this exercise, like, once you realize, like, this was a part of who I was as a child. And this is the thing that it took away from me. These things could also be, like, in the last year, you know. These could be adult experiences. It doesn't have to all be childhood. For me, it took years to push myself into an area of discomfort that I didn't I felt like oh I don't want this thing but in truth it was that I had this damage this like sensitivity this fear that got embedded around this thing because of a very bad experience around it and I had to really do a lot of excavation to recognize like oh 
this thing was really important to me and I really loved it. Why did I stop doing that thing? Oh, because of this one boss that made me not want to try it anymore. So this is an invitation to look into those things yourself and really reverse that learning with just deliberate conscious attention. All right, the next tool, what wholeness looks like. When we are interacting with others, a lot of what we feel will dictate the role we assume. And by that, I mean like a lot of the time we like to hide and we don't want to be the center of attention because it's uncomfortable. So like we'll compliment other people's roles to push, push them into the limelight, for example. So for this reason, I want to remind you just what the portrait of wholeness and confidence looks like in yourself. It's remembering your own value and remembering you need nothing from others to feel complete and good unto yourself. And in order to really concretely own that and build that sense of confidence and self-love, we must first just set the goal to love ourselves. That's it. Just set that goal and say like, I want that. I want to feel that way. I want to have that for myself. That's it. I have lots and lots of episodes on this topic in particular. I'm not going to go super in depth on this, but we have when we have that goal of like rekindling that relationship and re- rebuilding that trust with ourselves, it starts really small and then it's built just like a regular friendship over time with consistency of showing up. But the picture is one day we will need nothing from outside of ourselves. We will not need the other person to say blank. We will not need them to approve of us. We will not need them to agree with the decisions we make. We will not need them to validate our being right. We will need nothing. We will need no commentary. And that is such a wonderful feeling. And it's also such a wonderful quality in someone else. Because it's like, oh, they know. They know who they are. They don't need me to tell them. They don't need me to reinforce it. And that that's like a, the most attractive thing in another person. So the goal is really just to embody fully our own quality and our own self-love, regardless of what anyone else thinks, feels, or says. And that is like, like I said, it's a superpower. We should never allow others to dictate to us our own opinion of ourselves. And yeah, it's really hard to do that, especially if they have long-standing power over you. But that just know that that is the goal. All right, the next tool is called inner monologues. Um, I mean, this is kind of a no-duh, but we can cleanse ourselves of all of the uh, possible negative self-talk that's coming from how we disappointed others, any guilt we have, any stress we have over feeling like we offended somebody or if they like us, if they didn't like us. All of those like cringe types of memories that we repeat, especially if you have imposter syndrome. This is like one of the most crippling elements of imposter syndrome is all the inner narratives. One thing I would invite you to do, if that sounds true for you, is do an exercise at the end of your day where you one by one, say aloud or in your mind to yourself a forgiveness and acceptance sentence just whatever it is that feels right for you as if you were another person just like simply saying like yeah it's okay yeah you did your best it's okay that's cool you did your best you came from love I used to say this all the time 
I came from love, let the rest go. I came from love, let the rest go. And then just like you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it. Every time the like cringy thought comes in, you repeat it again. Let the rest go. I came from love. I let the rest go. All right. The next tool is a mantra. It's not about you. That's it. It's whenever we get into the minds of other people and we start to like analyze why they said what they did or whatever they think about us and whatever they're judging about us. It's like no matter what, it's not about you. If someone is taking you personally, that is even more of a sign that it's not about you because it, like think about it. If we are complete unto ourselves, we need nothing. We are completely happy. We are completely confident and self-loving. You do not take anyone else personally. That is just that's what the nature of a person who is self-loving does. So if a person takes you personally, that is a symptom of their own inner whatever, their own insecurity, their own feeling of threat, their own lack of safety, their own previous traumas. Fill in the blank could be one of eight bajillion things. But just remember, like, it's not about you. So don't feel bad. It's not your fault. How other people's uh, feelings come about in their own bodies is their it's their property it's their jurisdiction not about you all right the next tool superhero costume I think one really uh, powerful thing to do just to feel more confident and protected is to do to create kind of symbols for ourselves where we can feel contained so reminding ourselves like I feel um, confident because I know I'm important because of blank and maybe that for you is like a you know item of clothing maybe it's a um, icon like a piece like an article of jewelry be creative whatever it is some for some people it's perfectly done nails like this symbolizes I have my shit together whatever it is in your own private time I would invite you to pick this object or set of objects and imbue that item with these superpowers of excellence and safety and conviction and confidence so you can wear them whatever they are in whatever situation to remind yourself like I am okay I am good I am strong I have a bracelet that is blessed by monks that I gave to my aunt and now I have re-inherited back and that is like superpowers for me I love it I just remind it reminds me of peace and calm and love so whatever it is this thing no one else can touch it. It's yours. All right, the next tool, pregnant pause and lavish silence. <laughs> you like how, how I, to, I, I evolved Tara Brock's simple pause tools to something so fancy. Um, in order to change our dance, we have to be able to step back in the moment that our step is expected and simply observe. And in and I mean pause, but instead of just pausing, I want you to become aware of all of the things that are happening in your body, all of the little levers that are being pulled, all of the pressures that are being activated, and just practice allowing yourself to sit in that, to observe it, to notice it, to name it. And normally we might be filling the air, we might be completing the next step, we might be saying the thing they want us to say, whatever it is to make everyone feel better, supporting that rhythm but if we can really practice just being okay with the discomfort and the silence we gain so much more control and opportunity and especially in the area of new choices 
that allow us to change the course of the rest of our lives. And it's very easy to, you know, fill the silence, to complete the thing, to make it go away, to feel like we have to fix a situation. But if we can instead hang out in a new moment, we can actually see like, oh, things can be different. I can practice something totally different. All of these, thing, these things don't have to be the same. It opens up all new kinds of decisions and it also allows for us to reinvent the experience for the other person as well. Like we wake them up from a sleep that they've been in for decades, if we can do this. And also if we are not in a, a state of reaction, we are not in our kind of triggered uh, threat state, we can then uh, choose a new way of being that is not the kind of base level, you know? So, so much of close relationships and old relationships are kind of automated in how those rhythms operate. And so because it's a dance you've been doing for so long, it's totally unconscious at a certain point. So this is really the first step in allowing ourselves to be conscious and reinvent something. It's so powerful. So as I said, the goal is in that moment to just observe your body and take note of the things happening. I, for example, I immediately say like, oh, my heart's pounding. Interesting. It's like, it's kind of like a curious state of mind. Huh. Oh, my, my chest is tightening. Interesting. Oh, my stomach's dropping. Interesting. All of those things will just allow you to start to slow your breath down. Like your, your goal is to calm your body down. You go, you're, you're like, you're coming to the aid of your physical body and saying like, Hey guys, let's calm down here. Come on. Let's take some deep breaths. Um, and also just kind of like a, a scientist studying in your mind's eye, like, huh, interesting. Look at all the things happening in my body. I also invite you as a bonus step to, after all of this takes place, say in your mind's eye, maybe this moment will be different and new. And that is just to allow yourself to expect something not what you've expected for however long in your life to occur. Maybe it actually will be different if I just allow it to be a new moment. Maybe they won't do the thing I think they're going to do. Maybe they will be coming from love. Maybe they won't be fighting me or whatever we're expecting. All right. Next tool is, um, I mean, it's kind of more of an FYI. It's, it's kind of a tool. Anyway, it's called relationship regulation. I will just call this to mind in case it's something that's happening in your life. Kindness and affection are also regulators of distance. And the, I'm telling you this not to tell you to do it to other people because it's really fucked up and it causes people pain. But it's to teach you how to not to take it personally and also recognize when it's happening in case you're completely baffled and thinking like, what did I do? I don't understand. Did I do this? Is it because of this? I don't know. Why are they suddenly being so cold to me? Um, this is a tactic that people employ if they do not have the skill set or the experience with intimacy and physical closeness or attention. If that if those things are triggers for them and they make and they don't have the vernacular, they don't have the language to navigate them based on their particular culture or upbringing, they will regulate by instead um, removing kindness and affection and gaze, for example. And it's, so you will experience things like this as someone being very hot and then very cold. And that is just like a kind of like a, 
an old engine that doesn't have all the gears in it. So they're just going on, off, on, off, on, off. It's a coping mechanism for not having the language to regulate distance with language, with words, or with confrontation. So that is how a person will maintain a safe distance that they're comfortable with when they don't have all of those other tools. And the reason I'm bringing that up is we often recreate systems in our office relationships and our friend groups that we have grown up with in our childhood. So you might be taking on um, a particular role from childhood in an adult situation and you're not even aware of it. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because if you are noticing that um, some, some weird dynamic is coming up in a friendship or in a new relationship and you're like, why is this person playing these games with me? Why are they suddenly being cold to me? Did I do something to offend them? That's just a sign that maybe something is being triggered from a time long ago. If it feels hyperbolic for whatever the situation is, if it feels like too big and too mismatched with that situation, I'm guessing that there are little alarm bells that are being set off from a long, long time ago. So the goal is to just step back from that. Step back and simply observe, become curious. And remember like, huh, maybe this, this relationship is new. Maybe I can welcome air and not take this personally. And you can think of this as like the way that we stay safe from getting wrapped into new systems. Like if we can stay outside of them and really not just buy into them, it allows us to like basically stay sane and see that maybe something different is at play. Um, and if you are a person who is getting kind of snared by somebody else and they're trying to bring you in or triangulate you, I know we all have been in situations where there's somebody that's super toxic in a workplace or in a friend group and they're trying to get you to talk shit, they're trying to get you to build an alliance with them. For that situation, the goal is just, um, I, I call it like a celebrity on a street. You just don't engage. There's no material given. There's no input. It's not that you're saying no. You're just not engaging. There's no attention. There's no eye gaze going there. Think of it like you are very, very busy. You are occupied. You cannot give attention to anything other than what you choose to. It's like deflect, deflect, deflect. Do not engage. Do not react. Play, pay as little attention as possible. Almost like you didn't hear it, you know? A quick nod, a light laugh, and then move on to something that's so immediate, so pressing. Look over there. Oh my God, my phone just rang. Oh, I got to go pee. Whatever it is. Um, and those are my tools. I hope these are helpful to you. I hope it all made sense. Um, and before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors. Shannon, thank you so much for the donation. And I thank you for to Honey for becoming a new monthly sponsor. Huge donation from Paige. Thank you so much. And a huge donation from Savannah. And another one from Kristen. Oh, my God. So many new sponsors. And a new Patreon sponsor, S. Thank you so very much. Um, really appreciate the donations. And in closing, um, anybody who is in a situation, they're in an old role, and maybe you're like, I don't even know if I have a role, but I don't like being kind of, I feel stuck. I feel put upon. I feel like I don't like myself. 
let's just take this as an opportunity to design how you do want to feel and think about like how do I how do I want to operate in my life like who do I want to be to others how do I want to feel about myself and what do I want to let go of in my life like what are the patterns that I'm just sick of what is the thing that always recurs and seems to find me everywhere that I want to become curious about because whenever we're seeing a loop it's like usually an invitation for there's something underneath it that's that's making us hunt for a solve in a place that it doesn't exist there's there's an original root that is soft and squishy and just needs compassion from us and we're looking for a solve that's outside of us but it's always in us it all starts inside so let's start let's start wherever you are and go from there and i We'll try and put some reading in the show notes if you guys are interested in any of the stuff I talked about. Um, And I send you my love. And don't forget to smile. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.